We are in the midst of this series, uh, kind of coming to a close almost, uh, that we've called Habits, Developing Spiritual Disciplines. And uh, in Matthew chapter 6, in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he addresses another one of the spiritual habits, uh, the habit of prayer. In fact, the the disciples come to him asking, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus responds and says, when you pray, pray like this. And he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And we've talked about prayer as one of the core habits of a Christ follower in this series. But what's interesting is what Jesus says right after he teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer. He adds another, and when you. And this is what it says. And when you fast. Fasting. We don't talk about that very much, do we? I mean, who, who really does want to talk about that? That's like going without food, right? I mean, Charles has obviously been going without some food. He's looking trim and mean and, uh, man, looking good. And, uh, but, but uh, I don't know about you, fasting, it, it can be a confusing topic. Like, is this really, isn't this just for the super spiritual or isn't this just for some, you know, health nuts trying to lose a bunch of weight? What is fasting all about? And yet, two times in this passage alone, Jesus uses this phrase, and when you fast. Not if, when. Like, he's assuming that his followers will take on this spiritual habit of fasting, but I don't know about you, but now I feel convicted. <laughs> I feel guilty because I'll be honest with you. This is not a regular part of, of my everyday life. And maybe you're with me. Maybe you tried fasting once or twice, you know, and you got nothing out of it, or you're just grumpy all day, or <laughs> maybe you've heard about people fasting and you always kind of admire them, like, oh man, that's I can't believe they do that. I wish I could do that, but I don't know that that's, that's just not for me. Or maybe it's just the, I mean, honestly, some of the self-discipline that comes with it that maybe I'm not up for. And yet, as the more and more that I've read in this last week or so about this spiritual habit, I'm convinced, I'm convicted that, that if this is something, and I think it is, that Jesus is truly inviting us into that could, could have a powerful effect on our lives and on our spiritual journeys. And it wasn't just something that Jesus taught on, like in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at some of what he had to say about how to fast. But it was also something that Jesus himself modeled. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, we read of an instance where Jesus, he's just been baptized. He's getting ready to enter into public ministry. And yet it says in Matthew 4, 1 and following, that then Jesus, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, or the desert, to be tempted by the devil. And verse 2 says, And for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted, and he became very hungry. And I'm thinking, well, the reason you were hungry was because you were fasting, and you were going out to fight the devil in the desert. Why don't you take some food? (laughs) Like, didn't why didn't why don't you pack a bag, right? Why don't you take a lunchbox, like some sustenance to kind of give you some some strength to, to, to go up against the devil. And yet, that's not what Jesus did. He gave up food. And he went into that fight. And so, fasting isn't just something that Jesus teaches on. It's something that he modeled for us. 
before we look at some reasons why we should fast, I first, before I talk you into it, and I don't know if I will, I first want to talk you out of it. Because there's some wrong reasons, some wrong motivations as well when it comes to this spiritual habit of fasting. Why should we not fast? Let's talk about that first because I think Jesus even has a few things to say about that. Uh, it's interesting. When, when, uh, one, of the, one of the top reasons I think we should not fast is to earn God's approval. We can quickly think, like, this is a, a performance thing before God. It's going to earn me some brownie points. You know, this will make God pleased with me. This'll, I, remember, I remember like it was yesterday when our firstborn, Lainey, uh, came into this world. Tomorrow I'm going to drive her to college to drop her off in her sophomore year. It's crazy. But I, I, I mean, I, like it was a moment ago, I can remember the first time I held her, her tiny little preemie-sized body, and the smell of, you know, Johnson's and Johnson's or baby powder and the softness of her skin and just holding her up close to me and whispering in her ears, I can't wait till you do something to make me proud of you and to actually love you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't say that. You'd think I was crazy, like what kind of dad are no, the moment she came into the world, it was like this insatiable love just like flooded my life that I didn't even know was possible. There, there wasn't anything that she could ever do to make me, to make me love her, to, 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 to somehow earn my love or approval because she's my daughter. And Jesus, when he fasted, he wasn't doing it to earn his father's approval either. In fact, it's interesting that the passage where it talks about Jesus going off into the wilderness to, to fast for 40 days and uh, do battle, be tempted by the devil, that, that first word, then, Jesus was led, is really, really significant because of what happens before the then. Just before this, Jesus was baptized. And at the moment of his baptism, it says that Jesus came up out of the water. He was being baptized by John the Baptist. And this is what it says. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now this is significant because this is before Jesus entered public ministry. This is before Jesus fasted. This is before Jesus preached any incredible sermons. This is before Jesus performed any miracles or healings. Jesus hadn't done any of that stuff. And God's voice booms from heaven saying, that's my boy. I love him. And I am so pleased with him. Not because of what he had done but because of who he was and whose he was. And this is why this is a game changer for all of us because we can easily think that this, you know, we're going to start talking about fasting here in a moment or, or any of the other spiritual disciplines. I mean, meditating on scripture and, and prayer, all these things that we can easily start to think that these are things that we need to do to earn God's approval. And yet Jesus shows us that he never fasted in order to get God's approval. He fasted, I think, because he already had his father's approval. 
And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in him as your Savior and Lord, turned away from your own sin and confess that and turn to him as the hope of your life and the hope of heaven, then the Bible says you have become God's child. And God is crazy in love with you. And there's nothing that you can do, that I can do, that we can do to somehow get his approval. He approves of you because you're his, because you're his child. That changes the way that we go at all of these other spiritual disciplines and habits. It's not out of performance for God. It's, it's an opportunity simply to draw close to God. So that's one reason why we should not, uh, that we should not fast. We should not fast if it's somehow in order to earn God's approval. But Jesus gives us another reason in Matthew chapter 6 when he starts to teach about fasting. And that is we should not fast also to impress others, not to earn God's approval and certainly not to impress others. Now look at the text with me. Matthew 6, 16. It says, and when you fast, remember, Jesus is assuming that this is going to be part of our life as Christ followers. And when you do this, he says, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. That We're going to come back to that. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. And he says, I tell you the truth, that is the only reward that they will ever get. Now hang tight with me for a moment on this passage. That word hypocrite there literally means... Uh, stage actor, like somebody that's putting on a show. And it had begun to happen in some of even the religious leaders of that day that they're, and actually if you read uh, before this in Matthew chapter 6, when it came to giving, when it came to praying, and then when it came to fasting, it had become a performance. It had become a show. Not for God, but to somehow try to impress people. Look at what it says. For, for they, try to, they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them. Like, they woke up in the morning and not only did they not get ready and put themselves together, they did whatever they could to even look worse. Like, so that when people would be like, oh, you doing okay? Oh, yeah, just fasting. Oh. Uh, to be noticed, to be admired by people. They were, they were longing for people to look at them and go, oh, I'd really like to be like them. I wish I could be more spiritual like her. Look at her. Man, she looks terrible. <laughs> she must be fasting. I could never do that. Like, it was a show. And fasting is not meant to be something to somehow earn approval of God. And it's certainly, as Jesus is teaching here, it was not something meant to cause people to admire us or to impress us. He says they try to look miserable for their fasting. And he says, and I tell you the truth, that is their only reward. What's their reward? The admiration of people. And you know how long that lasts? Like that. <laughs> We can be admired by somebody one day and then we do something else to blow it the next day and we're no longer, you know, on their, on their top, top five list. He says that's what they're living for, the approval and admiration of people. And guess what? That's the only reward that they're going to ever get. It's going to be a very temporal reward. Why? Because they're fasting 
But it's not for God, it's for show. I would go as far as to say, uh, not only in that their efforts to fast, was it, was it not drawing them closer to God? Actually, it was probably putting a greater distance between them and God because they were doing it for the wrong reason. They were just doing it for people. These are two of the reasons why we should, we should I mean, if this is the backbone behind it, then we shouldn't even bother going any further. We shouldn't even talk about it anymore. We definitely shouldn't try it. If it's just to earn approval or if it's to impress others. But why should we fast? Is there some biblical, right, true reasons? And there must be because Jesus is assuming that his followers will do it. There must be some good reasons, some right motivations for fasting. And so what are they? Well, Jesus in Matthew 6 goes on to to teach about fasting. And first he says, hey, this is a reason not to do it, not to impress people. And then he goes on with his second, but when you fast, look at it. Verse 17, but when you fast, he says, instead, comb your hair and wash your face. Girl, wash your face. Uh, Isn't that a ladies devotional or something? I mean, I'm not telling you that. (laughs) He's like, take care of yourself. Fasting, if, if you fast, it's not meant to like draw attention to yourself. So take care of yourself. Look, look good. You know, do what you need to do. Verse 18, he says, then no one will notice when you are fasting. Remember, because it's not meant to be noticed. It's not meant to be admired or to impress other people. He says, he says then no one will notice that you're fasting except for one. The most important one. He says, then your father who knows what you do in private. See, because fasting is meant to be a private discipline, not a a public display. As is prayer or giving or meditating on Scripture. A private discipline. Not that you can't share. I mean, it's not about, well, I could tell you I was fasting, but then I'd have to kill you. (laughs) No, it's about a heart attitude. Like, if I'm doing it just so that I can tell you, that's wrong. doesn't mean that I can't tell you, but that's not what it's really about because it's between me and God, between you and God. He says, and your father who sees everything, he sees it all, he will reward you. There's a promise there that's attached to fasting. And he says, he will see it and he will reward you. But he doesn't say exactly what the reward is, does he? I know, I, I, you know, I can start thinking about it this way, and perhaps you can, or you know people that do, and fasting can be looked at as like this thing, like, okay, well, if I show God how serious I am about him, well, then he's, and then I ask for something, then he's going to have to answer me because I've been going without, I've been showing him, I've been proving to him, right? And sometimes people can start to look at fasting in that way, but I don't think that's it. When Jesus fasted, I don't think it was so that he could get something from God, I think it was because he was drawing himself to God the Father. That fasting isn't about getting something from God, but getting God, a a closeness to him, drawing close to him, depending on him, finding in in our relationship with God everything that we need. This leads us to a a bottom line truth for this weekend. And that is this, If we were to define fasting, I think, in a biblical way, fasting is giving up a need 
to embrace my greatest need. It's giving up a need in our life. Yes, perhaps that food, that's food. It might be something else. We'll talk about some other examples of things that we could fast from. A a legitimate need that we give up in our life in order to embrace, to draw close to, 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 to attach to our greatest need. And our greatest need is God himself. I don't know about you, but when I face hard things in life, and, and I'm overwhelmed. Yes, I pray and I, I ask, I, I'm looking for an out. I'm looking for a solution. I'm look, but at the end of the day, here's the thing that I need to know the very most. It's just to know that God's with me. That, you, that God's there. In my relationship with Lisa, we've been married for, um, on the 26th, it'll be 24 years. And I love her with everything I've got. But just like any married couple, I mean, we have our ups and downs, our challenging times. But all I need to do is look over at least and say, are we okay? Are we good? And what that means is, are we still together on this? It may not feel good, but hey, we're still there and we're still committed and nobody's going anywhere. That's all I need and, and is to just know you're still with me. We're still together. It's the same thing in my relationship with God. When I face big things, I just got to know, God, are you still there? Are you still with me? And fasting is a way to give up whatever need it is that I have in the moment in order to embrace my greatest need, which is knowing that God is there and that he's with me. And it's, it's, it's an embracing my relationship with God in this way that I discover everything else that I do need. And so Jesus gives some more reasoning. Uh, There's some other things that we can see throughout Scripture of reasons why we should fast. One is to keep us dependent upon God so that we can truly hear his voice. Fasting is a way to give up a need to to show that we're going to live in dependence on God. That's our number one value here at the chapel, to depend on God. We, we, We rely on his truth. And we rely on prayer. Remember in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus is tempted in the wilderness and he's been going without food for 40 days and 40 nights, like, hello, hungry? Like, and Satan attacks him right where he's at, right in the midst of that hunger. Look at it. It says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was hungry, and that's where Satan will always attack, is where we're hungry. Hungry for whatever it is. Hungry for love. Hungry for attention. Hungry for time. And we'll, we'll find ways to meet those legitimate needs in wrong ways. And, and so Satan comes along, and he tempts Jesus and says, man, if you're God, geez, you're the son of God, you can do anything, right? You're hungry, right? Yeah, just make those rocks become loaves of bread so you can have something to eat, man. But look at how Jesus responds, verse 4. And Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, yeah, I'm hungry, but that's not what I need the most. So much more than bread, something to fill my belly. I'm I'm." I'm going to embrace my greatest need, which is strength from my Father in heaven. 
so that he could continue to fight the temptation. So people, people, people don't live on bread alone. What was he saying? He's saying fasting, it's, it's giving up a need to embrace my greatest need. Well, there's a, another part to this, and that is both to keep us dependent on God, but also so that we can clearly hear God's voice. Uh, two more times, uh, Jesus is tempted by Satan, and both times, Satan tries to actually use the Bible, the Old Testament scriptures of the time, uh, in order to lead Jesus astray. And even Satan will try to use truth to get us off the right path, which is crazy to think, right? And, and so it says uh, in verse 5 and 6, then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, and now he tempts him with you know, power and, and possessions. And, and he says, the scripture says, Satan was saying this, to Jesus. But Jesus combated it. He says, but the scripture also say this. Jesus was able to clearly decipher what God's word and truth was saying to him at any given moment. And I think the reason this could be the case is because he was fasting. There is a, I have fasted a few times in my life, and there is a real clarity that comes in the midst of fasting. And I think Jesus, Jesus had that. I don't know about you, but when I'm faced with a big decision, like either with my life or our family or even a decision on behalf of our church, sometimes I get mixed messages. Do you ever do that? You're trying to figure out which way to go, what's the, really, the right thing. You're even praying about it. Maybe you're even asking other people for some godly wisdom, and yet you're still uh, uh, just divided within yourself. Like, man, is that what God wants? Or is this just something that like, I'm saying to myself that I really want, that I'm pushing for? Or is this, is this something that Satan's like tempting me with and trying to get me to think so that I go down the wrong path, even though I think it's the right path. Have you ever been in one of those situations? I bet you have. I have. And in the midst of Jesus' own situation like that, which way do I go? What, what's right here? Satan's saying this truth from Scripture, and yet I also know that Scripture says this. He needed a clarity from God's word, to hear God's voice in that moment. And he did. And he did, I think, because he was fasting. He wasn't just praying and seeking. Maybe the next time that you and I are facing a big decision, instead of only praying about it, maybe we ought to try fasting and giving up our need for control to to rest in God's control, to embrace our greatest need. Well, there's another reason, and, and we've already been talking about it, uh, that, that Jesus fasted and that I think we can too. And there, there's, a, there's a myriad of other reasons as well as you read throughout the pages of the Old Testament and New Testament as people uh, fasted some of the results, some of the reward of God's presence and then what that did for them or what that gave to them. But a second reason that we should fast is to fight and overcome daily temptation. That was Jesus' story, right? In the desert, 
without food for 40 days, Satan's attacking him, attacking him with food, attacking him with power, attacking him with possessions. Aren't those the things that all of us are lured away by as well? And I, I love what happens at the end of Jesus' temptation as he, he fights, he, he fasts, and then he fights Satan. And then it says, and then the devil went away. You know why the devil went away? The devil, the devil gave up on Jesus falling into sin because Jesus gave up on food. He gave up a need to embrace his greatest need, a strength from his father that was unimaginable. And here's the thing, guys. What if that is the kind of strength and power that you and I could actually have in the face of temptation? I, you know, I can white-knuckle it, you know, gear up, fight temptation, you know, beat that thing or, or overcome that particular situation or temptation. But man, when you get hit over and over and over again, it's easy to give up. It's easy to, to give in, but not Jesus. <laughs> and I think the reason that he had such spiritual and moral strength was because he had given up on having the physical strength. He gave up a need to embrace his greatest need. And you and I, we can do the same thing with his help. So how do we develop this habit of fasting? How do we take some next steps? If you're like me and this has not been a regular practice in your life and you feel like, wow, maybe I am missing out. Maybe, I, maybe this is something that I, should, that I should explore, that I should try. And I would say, yes, let's do it. Let's see what happens. Let's trust God in some of these areas and in some of these situations and see what would happen if we gave up a need to embrace that greatest need. I think it begins with picking a time. We just got to pick a time. I'm not saying there's any particular time. Uh, we don't want to get religious or legalistic about the time. In fact, you know, it's interesting in all of the different spiritual disciplines, rarely is a, is a time uh, identified. It's left up to us. He just says, but when you do it. He didn't say, hey, when you do it on Friday at 3 p.m. Hey, when you, when you fast or when you pray on Monday at 8 a.m. He just said, when you do these things. He doesn't want it to become a ritual. He doesn't want it to become a religious performance that's approved by God or, or, or that is there to impress people. He's just saying, pick a time, just any time. Maybe it's a, a certain day of the week. Maybe it's a certain time of the day every week or every day. Again, we don't have to get legalistic about it. Just pick a time. And then secondly, pick a need. Pick a need to fast from. Whatever that need might be. I love what Jim Irwin says. He says, while fasting from food, however, we are also challenged to fast from sin and gossip and jealousy and from anger and from those other things which, while well within our control, we all too often allow to control us. Man, what would happen if we fasted from food and we, we went on the offensive and fasted from some of these other negative 
attitudes and behaviors in our life. Not just defense, but went on the offense, attacked them, said, you know what? This week, I'm fasting from gossip. I'm not going to do it. I'm giving it up. Because all these are linked to genuine needs. Remember, fasting is replacing a need, giving up a need to embrace the greatest need. So what is the need? For instance, maybe I have a legitimate need for control. None of us should be out of control, right? That's a bad thing. So all of us need to have some control. But the problem is when my need for control becomes my greatest need, when I can't control the situation or the person, then what happens? We get angry, right? (laughs) Because we can't control it. And I need the control. The need is the control. So what do we do? We fast from anger because that's the outcome of our need for control. And we embrace our greatest need, which is, which is realizing and recognizing and experiencing that God is still in control even when I'm not. Let me give you one more. Everyone has a legitimate need for self-worth. Our, our number two value here at the chapel is love people. We value each other. Every single one of us in this room needs to know that we are valid, to, to have some sense of self-worth. But sometimes, sometimes in order to have that self-worth or maintain that self-worth or get more self-worth, uh, you know, that it's fighting against us because we're jealous of what somebody else has. Or we gossip about somebody in order to kind of tear them down a little bit to give us a little bit more self-worth. Boy, did you hear about her? I'm sure glad I'm not like her. Oh, I feel so much better about myself now, right? Now, it's coming out of a legitimate need for self-worth, but we're filling it in an unhealthy way. And so what do we decide to do? We give up a need, our need for jealousy or gossip, and replace it. Embrace our greatest need, which is recognizing that our worth is truly found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. So we got to pick a time and then pick a need. Now, obviously, throughout Scripture, the most common need that was given up was food. You're like, thanks a lot, Todd. I'm hungry. Isn't, I mean, it's crazy how food controls our lives. We get up, we eat, right? We get through part of our day, it's lunchtime, we eat. I'm not saying we shouldn't eat. I mean, God created us, we need to eat. I mean, that's part of, part of our livelihood. But it shouldn't be a controlling factor in our life either. And, and sometimes giving up our need for food, because we have that need, we get hungry throughout the day, can be a trigger, a reminder for us to turn to our greatest need. Just like Jesus said, hey, I don't live on bread alone. It's not just about what I eat for my belly. It's there's something deeper that I need for my soul. And maybe, maybe lunch is, is time to give it up so that I can just get with God. To give up a need, to embrace our greatest need. Or let me tell you about probably, I think this almost rallies food in our culture today when it comes to needs. Technology. Isn't that true? Uh, I was, I, so um, on my phone, I was looking the other day, and you know, it'll monitor, it'll tell you the number of times that you picked up your phone. I would encourage you, don't do that. Well, you should, but don't do, I mean, you're going to be disgusted with yourself. Maybe not. Maybe you guys are way better. 
I'm insane. It's bad. I looked at even just the number of notifications that I got. This was like, I don't know, it was only like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 70 notifications. Now, what do you do when you get a notification? Hey, what's going on? Hey, who, who's doing what? Hey, who, who posted what? Oh, what's going on in their life? Oh, what, what meeting do I need to attend? Oh, who's trying to get a hold of me, right? Now, I mean, they're great tools. Technology is unbelievable. And yet, it can be, become such a, a distraction in our life. And those 70 notifications, those could be 70 opportunities, invitations for me to turn my attention to God. I'm not saying ignore all the notifications. We've got to communicate. We've got to stay in touch with people. I get all that. But what if, I mean, what if even half the time you get the notification, instead of looking, I'm going to go to God right now. Instead of seeing what they posted, I'm going to turn to some of the truth in his word that he's already posted for me. Just lean into him, to his truth. What if we fasted from food? What if we fasted from technology in some way, shape, or form? I know it's a need. My phone's sitting over there on the chair right now. Now I'm thinking about it. Now I want to go check it. <laughs> but what if we gave up a need to embrace our greatest need? Um, on Friday, uh, the girls were off seeing some friends in Akron, and then our son Carter got invited on Thursday to go with one of his buddies, I don't know, to Water Park or something like that. And all of a sudden, and Friday's my day off, so Lisa and I, we had a free day. Beginning of the morning, I'm like, hey, what do you want to do? Let's do something, you know? And uh, we, we did some, you know, mundane things, went and ran some errands or whatever, uh, took a nap in the afternoon, like, we are really lame, man. Uh, but, but, but I took, I said, let's go out to lunch. Let's go out to lunch together. And we just went out to one of our favorite places to eat and sat. And now, you know, I didn't plan the lunch date in order to impress Lisa. Like, we're beyond that, okay? Um, I, you know, it's, it's not like I picked the best place. Like, oh, she's going to be really like, oh, man, Todd, Todd really loves me now. You know, or I'm not trying to earn her love. Like, hey, if I take her here, oh, she, she's going to really, really uh, accept me now. <laughs> no. I just wanted to spend time with her because I know she loves me already. And when it comes to fasting, when it comes to any of these spiritual habits, reading his word, spending time in prayer, fasting, celebrating who he is, it's not to make God love us more or to, for him to approve of us or it's certainly not to impress other people. It's because he's already loved and accepted us. And it's just an opportunity, an invitation to spend time with him. And fasting can be one of those kind of opportunities. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your goodness in our life. And I know for me, I read about this spiritual practice, and it's pretty foreign. And maybe some of my friends here are in the same boat. And so I want to, I want to follow you and obey you, and I want to explore this more in my life. 
God, help me be willing to give up a need, whether that's food or whether that's my phone, social media. Help me to give up those needs because you really are my greatest need. We turn to you and we ask for your help and we pray that you would give us courage to follow up and to take our next step. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.